Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning, God, and how sweet it is to be with you. Lord, it is our desire. One thing, God, that we desire is to be with you in the house of the Lord. And God, this is the place, Lord, more than anywhere else that we want to be, God. And we thank you that you have given each one of us this opportunity, God, to come here to those connected online, God, for us to gather together for you, Jesus, to seek you today, God, to worship you this morning, Lord, to get into your word and hear from you. So, Lord, as we study your word today, may you anoint it with your Holy Spirit and may your presence continually be felt strongly, God, and may you speak to us clearly. So we give this time over to you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. A few years ago, uh, the Tower of David Museum, it's uh, in Jerusalem, launched this new virtual reality tour of the ancient city. It's kind of interesting. It's a high-tech guided tour where you can, as they say, step into history. What it is is that uh, you can virtually walk into the streets of Jerusalem, streets of Jerusalem from 2,000 years ago by wearing these VR, virtual reality glasses. And wouldn't that be trippy? Archaeologists from the Israel Antiquities Authority and the Lethal Domus VR created this 360-degree VR simulations of the palaces, of the streets, the buildings, uh, uh, even the ancient Jewish temple, all from the time of Jesus Christ. As they walk down, uh, as, as you were to walk down the present streets of Jerusalem, the tour will stop, and then you put on the virtual reality goggles, and instantly you're transported to look at the sights and streets of the ancient times where you're at. One tourist said this about the virtual reality experience. She said, it brings history to life and makes the stories about the city, I like this, more real. Oh, isn't that great? I mean, I would love to take a tour in that way. I've been to Israel twice now, and we've gone all around there and in the streets of Jerusalem, the the old city of Jerusalem, and up to the Temple Mount. I think that would be awesome to to look how it is now and then put the glasses on and go, whoa, and see all of that. You know, I also wish God has would have a like VR headset to take a tour of the new Jerusalem, that which we've been studying about, which is our final heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to put glasses on and go, oh, this is what our future is going to be. This is our destiny. This is our mansion, so to speak, and what Jesus said. He goes to prepare a place for us in John chapter 14. Well, we don't have that. But what we do have is a description here in the book of Revelation. So we return to our study here. And what we see is this description written down for us about our new eternal home that's coming for everyone who believes in Christ Jesus. So today, this morning, we return to our message, which I titled, A Tour of Our Place in Eternity. And this is part two. Uh, uh, last week was Easter, but the week before, we, we got to part one, the first part 
of this section. And now we're in part two as we finish this chapter. So we're going to be studying Revelation 21 from verse 22 through 27 this morning. A tour of our eternal place in eternity. Now, if you remember in part one a couple weeks ago, we covered verses 9 through 21. 9 through 21. And this was our outline uh, a couple weeks ago. Number one was the breathtaking mansion. We, we saw this heaven, right? This new Jerusalem, our mansion. It was breathtaking. As John began to describe it as like this shiny diamond, yeah? With the glory of God emanating from it. And then number two, we saw this special memorial, which John described what he saw was the names of the 12 tribes uh, on the 12 gate, gates. Each of the names, um, one each gate, uh, one each name on each gate of the 12 gates that are around this, the city walls of this new Jerusalem. And he also described this special memorial for the 12 apostles on the 12 foundations of this city. And then we saw, number three, the impressive measurements, didn't we? Uh, the measurement of this new Jerusalem we saw was 1,400 miles square. And I mean square like a cube. Right, And we talked about perhaps we, in our glorified bodies we can actually walk vertically and walk horizontally in this whole new realm that this new Jerusalem, our heaven, sits in. And then number four last time in Revelation, we saw the high-end materials. Yeah, The materials. We saw the mansion, memorial measurements, and now the, these materials, they're high-end. The city was inlaid with precious jewels and as we always hear, we read that the streets were of gold, right? A clear, pure gold. And also, um, the gates now, the streets were gold. The gates were made out of a giant pearl, the pearly gates, so to speak, as we say today. So that's what we saw in part one. Now in part two, as we continue on from verse 22 through 27, we're going to see three more things. And our outline actually continues to number five the glorious manifestation. Number six, the equalized membership. And number seven, the uncorrupted morality. So you can leave it up on the screen for a little longer, some of you are writing this down. But I will go over, uh, I'll give you the headings as we go. Now, I don't know if you notice in my outline, uh, the second word of the headings starts with the M. So I did a little alliteration with Mansion, memorial, measurements, materials, and now today, manifestation, membership, and morality. All right, so the tour of our place in eternity. Let's begin with number five in our outline in this part two, the glorious manifestation. The glorious manifestation. Now, we're going to be covering two verses here, verse 22 and 23 in underneath this heading. But let's begin with verse 22 of Revelation 21. So take a look here. Revelation 21, verse 22. It reads, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. So we begin here with what John shows us next. The next thing that he saw. 
And so John said, I saw, I saw, I saw. John is writing this. So he sees that there's no temple in this new Jerusalem, in this heavenly Jerusalem. There's not a temple. Why is that? I mean, the old city, uh, the ancient city in Jesus' time had the temple, right? But this new Jerusalem doesn't have a temple. Well, he tells us why. He goes on and says, for, this is why it's not there, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. So there's no need of temple because actually God himself is the temple. The Lamb being Jesus, God, Jesus himself is the temple. What is he saying? Well, he's saying, in other words, God himself will be there. So there's no need, right, to go to a tabernacle. There's no need to go to a temple. There's no need to go to a church building to meet with God as we traditionally do. God is right there living in the new Jerusalem, and this is really the glorious manifestation of God. Remember, he's right there. He's, 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 his presence is there in this city. Maybe the whole Jerusalem, you can say, is a temple, but there's no need to be a separate building to go meet with God because God is right there in this whole city. Now, turn over to Revelation 21.3. You remember we got a, a picture of this already, or we were described this and told this already. And if you just look up in the same chapter to verse 3, Revelation 21.3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So remember, we learned even back then that we will be right there in the presence of God. And I actually referenced this verse we're looking at in verse 22 and said, Look, there's no need of the temple. We, his, God will be right there. So here's the first thing to see. There will never be a moment when you are not connected with God. Think about that. Because we go to church, right, to seek the Lord. Yeah, We go to church to, to be with Him. We gather with His people in that way. But in this new Jerusalem, in the new heaven, there will never be a moment when you are not connected with God. Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote this, No longer is God to be worshipped in a place made with hands. He is to be worshipped face to face from the heart. I like that. I, I, I love what that says. Uh, it is it, being with God, what we desire, what the psalmist, what David wrote, one thing that I desired of the Lord that I may right, be with God in the, in the temple, that I may... You know, go there every day that forever we would be with God. I mean, David's heart, well, that's what it's going to be in this new heaven. I mean, I love to come to church, don't you? I love to come and fellowship. I love to be with his people. I love it when we're worshiping God and you can hear the voices rising up and giving God honor and glory. And it's inspiring, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I worship at home too, but there's just something about God's people coming together and you, you're hearing the voices and you can feel, yeah, everyone's heart. It, it's inspiring. But you know what? Even more so, I love to come to churches to feel the presence of God here. I mean, God's presence is everywhere, but 
somehow when we come together and we're worshiping the Lord and we're getting into His Word, we just sense it more stronger, yeah? We feel a stronger presence, a, a feeling of His presence here. And then the Holy Spirit just just comes and just fills our hearts and, and He's speaking to us, He's ministering to us, He's touching us, He's healing us, He's freeing us. And oh, I, sometimes I don't want to leave, yeah? Sometimes it's like, you know what, let's just keep singing. Forget about my message. Yeah, you guys can fall asleep anyway. No, just joking. But, right, we just want to be with the Lord. Well, you know what? It's not going to be like, oh, we come together, have church, and then go out into our lives, and then, oh, yeah, you don't sense that presence as strongly. It's not going to be like, because in this new heaven, you don't need to go and meet God. It's going to be like 24-7. Every day, every moment, every minute, if I can say, throughout eternity. Because you know what? It's not like we got to go to church. We're going to be there already our whole life. And isn't that great to know? And that's what God is giving us here in verse 22. Then look at verse 23. John goes on to write, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. So John also adds this, because think about this. God being right there, we don't know, need no temple. Why is that? Well, because God's right there. And so he adds that the city, the New Jerusalem, has no need of sun or moon to give it any light. Uh, uh, whether by day the sun or by night the moon. The, the, the thing is, we don't need those planets to give us light to see. I mean, re- remember this, we're in this whole new realm we learned, didn't we? You know, or in our earlier studies in, in the first part of chapter 1, we were learning that there was a new heaven, verse 1, and a new earth, right? And the first earth and heaven were, were destroyed, burned up. And then God brought in this whole eternal realm, totally, totally different from what we know Today, right now, we're in this universe we're living. It's a whole brand new kind of thing. So in this universe, there's no sun, there's no moon. You don't need the light at night or the light during the day. Why is that? Well, John tells us, for the glory, verse 23, uh, for the glory of God gives it light, gives the city light, and its lamp is the lamp. So the source, the lamp, the source of light is Jesus. Yeah, And the glory of God is what illuminates this whole realm. So Jesus and the Lord God, the Father, will shine His glorious light in this, the glorious manifestation of God. Isn't that amazing to think? I mean, it's hard to understand because, I mean, we live in a place where there is sun and there's moon. But God Himself will illuminate everything this city, this new heaven, because of this whole different realm we live in. So the second thing I want you to see is the new realm of heaven will only be illuminated with God's beautiful, glorious, pure, holy light. I piled on the adjectives there (laughs) because I just wanted to try and make some sort of picture of of what what it's going to be. And it's hard to imagine, but it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be glorious because of God's glory. It's going to be a pure light because it's holy. And that's what will illuminate yeah, 
this whole new realm, and especially our future heaven, the new Jerusalem. Listen, this is not like I'm saying some, the sun or the moon, like what, what we try and uh, maybe understand. It's not like the light we see, see every day, whether it's solar or electricity, yeah? Like the, the bulbs that are shining light from the ceiling here. It, it's not made from coal or fuel, some sort of fuel or, or even gas, a gas light. This is, think about this, uncreated light straight from God himself. Isn't that trippy to think about? It's from God himself. You know, we get a glimpse of it, if you remember, in Acts 9, on the road to Damascus, when Paul was converted. Remember in Acts chapter 9, he came to the Lord. Well, what happened on his way? Well, this light from heaven, it says in Acts 9, shone around Paul. Think about this. Paul, in his testimony later in the book of Acts, said that it was brighter than the noonday sun. That's this light. We get a glimpse of this light in Exodus 34 when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. Remember, he spent close fellowship with God, and when he came down, the the scripture tells us his face was glowing so much, so bright that that it, it, it brought fear to the Israelites. They were afraid of him, so he had to cover it, right, with this bright light. That was that was like he got this uh, uh, God's suntan, you know, kind of thing, and, and he's just glowing with the glory of God. You know, we get an idea of how beautiful and pure this light is when Isaiah poetically wrote in Isaiah 24, 23 that that actually the moon and the sun will be ashamed for the glory of the Lord because the glory of the Lord will, I like this word, outshine. Yeah, outshine any light that we can even think of. So we find in this future heaven, our future home, this new Jerusalem, his glorious manifestation, God's presence, God's light, it's going to fill this new realm. And I believe, just like the sun does, warms our, our body. You know, some, sometimes I just like, oh, getting warm after a cold season, uh, lying in the sun, and you just get warmed up your body. I feel like it goes down to my soul. You know what? I think this light, uh, the glorious manifestation of God through this light, will even warm us down to our hearts and down to our soul, and I think we'll be filled with joy. I was thinking about how I'm looking forward to uh, seeing my daughter, you know, for this wedding. And um, it, it's kind of funny. It kind of gives us joy that she's getting married next Thursday, which is actually this, our wedding anniversary, the same day we got married. And I guess um, she chose a, a middle-of-the-week, you know, date without thinking because it was cheaper for a wedding venue and then after she booked it she thought hey wait that date sounds familiar oh and mom and dad's you know wedding ceremony and it it, i don't know it kind of warms your heart thinking oh that's kind of cool easy to remember too and all that but i i think about this i've kind of pictured that day and i picture you know her coming down the aisle and me trying not to cry and and my baby, you know, growing up and everything like that. But I picture a bride. And you know how, I don't know if you guys noticed, but brides, they seem to glow. Yeah? 
you know that they're getting married. You know they're bright because they're just glowing. Yeah, their countenance is is like filled with like joy and and love and and you know I just pictured Janae all excited, finally getting married, getting married to the love of her life, and and all of that happened. You you, you think about that glow. I think we're going to be glowing in heaven. I think with the presence of God and the light of God and just like Moses, we're going to be just soaking it all up and we're going to be filled with so much joy and love that, that we're going to glow ourselves. So get ready to glow when we go to heaven. Yeah, You're going to be, you're going to be one glow worm. <laughs> I like that thought because it gives me a nice feeling, you know. But let me throw this out to you. If we're going to like glow like that in heaven, should it not be for us even today? I mean, don't we have the presence of Jesus in our lives today? Don't, isn't the Holy Spirit living inside of us as we are its temple, His temple, right? Shouldn't we, in a sense, glow with our Christianity, our salvation, who we are as a new person, new creation in Christ? But is there something maybe extinguishing that in your life? It can, right? There could be some sin or, or some unforgiveness, let's say. Some darkness that comes in and extinguishes things like that. There could be things in your life that's really stealing your joy, stealing your love, and you're not really, quote-unquote, glowing like you should. Something to think about. Because we're heading to a place where we're going to glow. We're going to be filled with this joy where the presence of God is there. And the light of God will illuminate everything. And shouldn't that same light start shining out from us? Something to think about. All right. Well, this is number five. The glorious manifestation with the tour of our place in eternity. Let's go to number six. The next thing we see is the equalized membership. The equalized membership. Here we're going to be looking at verse 24 through 26. But first of all, take a look at verse 24. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Let's stop right there. Now, John goes on to say, basically, by its light, or under its light, the glory of God, will the nations walk. Literally, the people of all races, uh, you know, nationalities, literally a word is like people, all people. So I think of all races, nationalities, Jew and Gentile, we're going to live under this light. We're going to be enjoying God under this light. And then John adds, and the kings of the earth. Well, that refers to like those of rulers. Those really, I believe, it's referring to leaders and rulers. Those, I would say, that are the, the, the upper of society, who hold high positions, who hold status, who with that come privileges and riches. And I say that because, look, John says, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. What's their glory? It's that status. It's that position. It's that place. They're going to bring that status, that 
those privileges as kings and rulers. They, they're going to bring that and present their status to surrender their earthly glory to God's glory. That's the idea. Every person in, in this heavenly realm, every people, all races, nationality, Jew or Gentile, everyone say in society, yeah, no matter their place, even the kings, the leaders, those in the upper part of society, the rich, the wealthy, they're going to come and surrender their earthly glory to God's glory. And you know what the result is? Every citizen of heaven will live as equals. There's going to be an equalized membership in heaven. So, see this. I want you to see this. There will not be different levels of social status in heaven's society. Isn't that good to know? A recent article I was reading, it's, the headline was, Richest 1% gained $6.5 trillion in wealth last year. They're talking about uh, in 2021, during the whole pandemic, that the, uh, you know, the 1%, yeah, the richest 1%, they actually uh, together uh, totally uh, gained like $6.5 trillion. Isn't that amazing? Through the financial markets and stocks and all that. And I didn't know this. Uh, they also cited this um, statistics. The top one percent of, of the uh, you know of the these wealthy, the top one percent actually own thirty two point three percent of the nation's wealth. Isn't that that crazy? That's almost one third of our nation's wealth is is the very very rich. They actually hold all of that, and many of them yeah are are in leadership. Many of them are uh, top, you know, level executives and companies and all that. But you know what? In heaven, it won't be like that. There's no social classes, no levels according to wealth or race or, or your career or what your job is. We will all be equal. We will all have equalized membership in heaven. He goes on in verse 25, And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. So also, John describes and shows us that the gates of the new Jerusalem will never be shut by day. And he mentions that there will be no night there. So of course there's only day, right? There's no sun, moon, there's no rotation of planets or anything like that. So it's it's going to be day all day. But he emphasizes, look, it's never going to be shut. The gates will not be shut. Now, the gates in ancient times of the city, they would be shut at night because they would keep try and keep out certain individuals to keep out the bad things you know, that happen under the cover of night. Well, there's no need to shut the gates because there's no night. God's glory shines all the time. Uh, and, and we understand, and we'll get to this at the, end, the last section of our message, there's no like crime or anything in heaven anyway. Uh, so there's no gates. There's nothing to stop people from coming in. So you understand that. And if you think about what he said in verse 23, or 24, excuse me, that all the nations will walk, all the kings, that this society is really one level, then you know what? 
There's no, all the nations, all the countries, all the peoples, there's no borders here. The gate isn't a border. Uh, there's no immigration control. Basically, the gates of heaven that are made of pearl are always open, and heaven is welcoming to all. That's the idea. There won't be any border control or like you've you got to get your visa to come into heaven or, you know, if, if, if you're, you're from a different country, yeah. None of that. But the gates are always open. So here's the second thing here. There will be free and continual access to heaven and the presence of God. That's what the open gates symbolize, that there's free access to God. There's continual access to God. That, that, that heaven is there for you. That heaven with God in it, the presence of God, you will have free access. The gates will always be open. It will be like um, God won't, won't uh, 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 carry, you know, hold. God doesn't have like office hours. Yeah. You know, oh, sorry, you can only come see me between 9 and 5. After that, oh, you know, make appointment for tomorrow. No, the gates, the doors are always open. And isn't that the way it is for us today with Jesus Christ? Think about that. When Jesus died on the cross, right, when his body was ripped and torn open for our sins, the moment he died and paid the penalty for our sins, it says in Matthew 27, 51, the curtain that separated the, the, the holiest holies in the inner court, right? That curtain was split in two. It was torn in two from top to bottom the moment that Jesus died on the cross. You remember only... Uh, uh, one appointed priest once a year could go into the holiest holies. That's where the, the, the ark was. But the inner court where they had the table of showbread, the candelabra, right? Um, all of that, yeah, that's where the priest would minister. They would sacrifice the altar of incense, all of that. But the holiest holies, only one priest once a year was appointed to go into that. And they would tie a rope to his leg because if he had some sin that he didn't, you know, properly sacrifice, he would die right there because that was the presence of God. And they could pull him out. And he had bells on his rope. So if they stopped hearing the tingling of bells, they go, oh, no, pull him out. Because no one could go in there except that one priest. But when Christ died, that veil was torn in two. Some say it was even as thick as like a phone book. And God just went, because the blood of Christ, his sacrifice, had now made access to God directly. So with the, the tearing of that veil, that curtain, God was symbolically saying, now you have free access to me. And that's what we see in heaven with the open gates. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us... Then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we can go to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? That we can have that help. All right, verse 26 now. John adds this in this section. 
they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. So, uh, as he started to mention in verse 24, also now the people of nations, all countries, all races, they will also, like the kings, bring their glory, yeah, their earthly gl- glory, and they will surrender their earthly glory to God's glory. So, in other words, there will not be one nation or country that is greater than any other nation or better than any other nation or country. There will not be a race that will uh, hold like more military power. There won't be a, a, a country that will have more financial strength or, or a country that has more technological advances or maybe greater commodities, you know, within its borders. There, there won't be a people group that will be closer to God than anybody because the gates are open to everyone. Uh, I think all will sur- our, surrender our earthly go- glory. You know how? We will all, by casting our crowns before the Lord, and we will all have this equalized membership in this new realm. It's going to be a whole new world. All citizens of heaven are are one and united in this equalized membership in heaven. I think about how in Ephesians 2.19 it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. No, no social levels, yeah? No uh, national different differences here. We are all one underneath Jesus Christ. We are all His children. So, The third thing to see here is that every single citizen of heaven will enjoy now every benefit of God's new world. And that's what I say. In this equalized membership, I think about, oh, we're all equal. Not one other country, not not one other person of wealth is going to be privileged and enjoy some certain benefit. No, every one of us will enjoy every benefit of God's new world. Awesome, right? I mean, we, we live in a, a world of hierarchy and certain status, yeah, uh, a certain memberships even, think about. Yeah, you got to be a member to get these benefits, that kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm becoming a member of a, another group in society, and as I get older, I'm now beginning to force myself to accept the fact that I'm now in a different category of society. I am considered, in some places, a senior. I was thinking, what? What? I was, I was talking to this guy um, uh, um, after I got done surfing on the, on the shore, and, and, and we're just talking story. Oh, yeah, we see each other in water. Oh, what's your name? All this. And then, and then he made this comment, like, you know, us old guys, da da da. I'm thinking, old guy, what? Am I an old guy now? Oh my gosh. No wonder that, that, that boy calling me uncle, yeah, you know, kind of thing. But it's like, ah, it's hard for me to accept. Oh, I'm getting into this new membership now. And, and, but I'm starting to see there are some benefits, but it's hard to accept. Years ago, before I hit that age, um, my daughter-in-law, Tati, and I, we ran a pook soup, and we're grabbing some things, I think for a family dinner or something. And, and after we checked out, she's like, 
was asking me, oh, let me see the receipt. And I said, receipt, why? Let me see it, let me see it. And, and, and I said, why? And, and she said, because I think they gave you the senior discount. I'm like, wait, what? No, I'm not there yet. Wait, wait. I wanted to go in and pay the extra. But I'm beginning to accept the fact, now that I hit that age, yeah, at Pook Soup, at 60, you can get that, what, 5% discount or something like that, right? And so, okay, I can enjoy the benefits of being old, you know, shopping, special shopping times. Remember during the pandemic, you know, the kapuna could go in a certain time. And, and so, okay, there's special privileges, you know, for special kapuna members of the society. <laughs> You know what? Some people might feel, oh, when I get to heaven, um, I'll probably get that, that broken down shack at the end of the street. Yeah. Well, at least I'm there. Streets are gold. Yeah, but eh, it's okay, Lord. I mean, you know, I'll get the bust up one, you know. That, that's right. Some people think that. Oh, I'm not going to get my, my mansion, you know. Some feel, well, hey, I, 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 I'll just stand in back, you know. I'm not worthy, you know, the, the other guys can, well, they, they'll be the closer ones. And, you know, oh, I, I'll probably in this level where, because my GPA was low, you know, in the spiritual thing. So I, I won't be, you know, at the front of the class. I'll be in the back. And sometimes we have this idea as we translate, yeah, and filter things through how things are done here on the earth um, right now. And so we think, well, heaven's going to be like that. But God is changing our thinking with this passage. He's showing us that, you know, every single citizens of, citizen of heaven, and if you're a believer, you're a citizen of heaven, you will enjoy every benefit of God's new world. Isn't that great to know? Yeah. You don't have to know, well, I don't know the whole Bible, Lord. Will you still let me into heaven? No, it's okay. You have the blood of Christ, you'll get in. Yeah. Well, I, well, God, I don't. I wasn't perfect when I walked on this earth. It's all right because you're covered by the blood of Christ. Doesn't make excuse. Yeah, and yes, we will have certain rewards with Jesus. But as a person in heaven, as a society, there's not going to be like those different levels. Yeah. And you know what? Don't walk into church feeling the same thing or thinking the same thing. Yeah. Don't walk in here thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I could come in. i got to take out my Costco card, you know, and flash, you know, my card so I can get in the door. No, it's not that. Or, or feel like, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm just a gold star. You know how they have gold star and the executive? I'm just a gold star, not the executive member. Don't think that. Don't think that God gives special privileges to, to oh, the, the, the worthy ones, the favors. It's not that. God does not work like that. Matter of fact, we are all today, right now, equal children of God. Yeah? It's not like some parents do, oh, they seem to favor some of one of their kids more than the others. That's not God. That's not the way He is. We are all sinners. Every one of us, me included. No, Pastor. Yes. Ask my wife. She'll can, she can tell you the stories of my sin. She's the most gracious person. <laughs> I see God through her because she's so gracious and forgiving. But we are all sinners, right? Forgiven by Jesus. And so in God's community, in God's society, there's no social classes, levels. We are all equal citizens of 
heaven. All right, well, let's go on to our last heading here, the uncorrupted morality. In this tour, our place of, the tour of our place in eternity, today we've seen number five, the glorious manifestation, the equalized membership, and number seven now, the uncorrupted morality. Verse 27, the last verse of this chapter and the last verse for our message this morning. Here in Revelation 21, 27, it says, But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So in this last verse, we find out something special about the society of heaven, of the citizens that are living there in this new Jerusalem. John says, Nothing unclean will ever enter it. Unclean talks about something evil or corrupt. So nothing's going to come in that will corrupt the society there in the New Jerusalem because it's not allowed to enter it. And it's so good to know, yeah? In the past chapters, uh, a couple of chapters back, we saw that Satan was thrown into the lake of fire. And before that, the Antichrist and the false prophet, his guys, were thrown into the lake of fire. And we saw that even death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And all this corruption and evil and uh, things that corrupt our fallen world today are not there. Yeah? And Satan, the enemy of our souls, is not around in heaven and will not be allowed in heaven. And also, we read, right, after the great white throne judgment, which is before this, this age that we're reading about, all unbelievers will be also in the lake of fire with Satan. They will be in that eternal hell, sadly. But heaven will be free of all that. So John says, nor anyone who does what is detestable, and the NLT puts this, practices shameful idolatry. I think that's interesting. And notice the word sh- practices in the NLT. I mean, yeah, we make mistakes, but, you know, as believers, we're new creations and we're growing. And hopefully we will grow and get less and less of our doing our habitual sins. But those who don't have Jesus are still living in the old sinful flesh, so they're caught up in that bondage and they keep doing that. Sin, And John adds here in verse 27, uh, uh, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. Really, that's talking about who is dishonest, a person who is dishonest, who lies, who practices lying, who consistently lies. Well, you know what? They're not going to be there. They're not going to be there at all. No unbeliever will be there who practices sin. Who's going to be there? But John says in verse 27, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And what is that? That's the book of those who are saved. Those who believe in the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ, receive them into their heart, has believed in atonement to cover their sins. They are the ones there in heaven, the saved. So the society of heaven will not include anyone not saved and does these things. For everyone in heaven will be perfectly holy, living how? In our glorified bodies. That's how. 
We shed these fleshly bodies that are still tied to our sinful flesh. We've been freed from the bondage of our sinful flesh by Christ's death and resurrection. So we can now say no and make a choice against it and yield ourselves, as Paul says in Romans 6, to be slaves of righteousness rather than slaves of unrighteousness. We yield ourselves to a new master, Christ, and we can do it because of Jesus. And then when we die and when we come to this place, we're going to have what? Our glorified bodies. Perfect. Sinless. Righteous by the blood of Christ. So isn't that great to know? So if you're reading this going, oh no, oh no, uh, uh, what if I do something that's unclean? What if I do something wrong? I'm not going to be able to go in as an angel going to say, Put a sword and say, no. No, that's not going to be you. If you have Jesus Christ, that will not be you in heaven because we will have our glorified bodies. And then with all that God has provided now, this place, our glorified bodies, then we will be living in a society of uncorrupted morality. Isn't that awesome to know? Donald, uh, I'm sorry, Bruce Barton, in his commentary, clarifies all this. I like this, what he said. This does not indicate that evil will still be present in some realm outside of the great city. All evil will be gone. I love that. No more done. So our last point this morning is this. The society of the New Jerusalem will not have any hint of sin, but only righteousness. Only righteousness. No hint at all. This new city, this new Jerusalem, our heaven, there's not going to be any hint of sin. That's what John is saying. No worries, you guys. This is going to be heaven as we think about it. Heaven. No hint of sin, but only righteousness there. I mean, it has to be because God's there, right? Our holy and righteous God is there, so it has to be. Did you know that New York City is called the Big Apple? Because in the 1920s, many people were coming from all around to the horse races to win the Big Apple, the prize. That's why it's called the Big Apple. Some cities have nicknames for certain things, right? How about Las Vegas? We know that. What, what is the, the Las, Sin City, right? It's nicknamed Sin City, right? The gambling, all that, all the stuff that goes on there. We can guess why it's called that. Do you know what city is nicknamed the city of kind hearts? Kind hearts? Boston. Actually, Boston. I know, I've never been there. Or maybe we have been there once. Yeah, well, maybe they were kind there. I, I think it's funny. It also has another nickname, the city of bean eaters. <laughs> I thought that was funny and strange. <laughs> but now think of this new Jerusalem. This new Jerusalem. You know what? It is really going to be known as what? The city of God. Isn't that what Jerusalem always was known as? The city of God. Well, in the new Jerusalem in heaven, it, it will be literally the city of God. God's going to be there. God's people will be there. And godliness and righteousness will fill the society of this city. I can't wait 
it's going to be a wonderful place for us to be. Well, let me ask you this before we close. Say if you were a city, what would your nickname be? What would that be? Yeah? In other words, what does your life say about you? Yeah? And your maybe relationship with God? Would it... Would a nickname come that really talks about compromise maybe going on in your life? You know, we're going to a place where there's, there's going to be uh, uncorrupted morality. But how about our life today? You know, my wife and I, Chris and I, we're, we're just so um, saddened by the society today. And how far our society has, has shifted from the principles of the Bible to this darkness. How truths and, and things we know about God and who we are and how He made us, yeah? what marriage is, how it's really shifted, you know. And so the world values, and what really saddens us is not just society, but how much the younger people, our younger generation, are being influenced and affected by that. And accepting things that the world says it's okay when the Bible says it's not. Is that you today? Is there some shift going on in your thinking and in your morality and your morals of what is right and wrong, true or not, is it shifting more into the world's values rather than what the Bible says? Do you even know what the Bible says? Or do we bury our head in a sense? And well, I don't want I don't want to think about that, you know? For me, as I understand what the social morals are gonna be in heaven in this new Jerusalem, I need to have that in my life today, yeah, right now. I, I, I need it to be in my heart because as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, I'm already a citizen of heaven, right? We have eternal life in us. As soon as we receive Christ, we're, 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 we're a citizen of heaven. We're, that's our home. That's where we're, where we're heading to. That's our family there. So shouldn't we live like that today? Shouldn't we hold to those principles today? Not just, oh, well, in heaven I'll be like that. That's compromise. But we need to live like that today. John Blanchard said, nothing that has ruined man's life on earth will be allowed to do so in heaven. I like that. Sin, compromise, going against God's principle. You know what? It's only going to ruin your life. It's only going to bring consequences that aren't good. So why sin now? Some of you have gone back to the sin where Jesus freed you from. You're back in that darkness. Why do that? Keep the standard, you guys. I'm reading here, like in in, uh, verse 27, that, oh, the standard is tight here, yeah? It's black and white. 
I mean, this is what heaven's going to be like, and praise the Lord it is, yeah? Praise the Lord, society is going to be, the world, this whole new eternal realm and world is going to be way different than what we live in today, and it's going to be strict because only, only holy and good and righteous things are going to be there. But if heaven doesn't tolerate sin, why do we allow it? Why do we compromise why not hold the same standard? Why not today turn from what you know is wrong? Why not hear what the Holy Spirit is saying? Because, you know, we're in this passage, and God is calling out to all of us, each one of us, me included, that, hey, this is the future. Live this, this future today. Let's not be distracted in the, in, the, in the now that, oh, we're, we're, we're here on earth. No. When I study these things, when I read these things about heaven, right, I don't know about you, it, it kind of like pulls on my heart. It tugs on my heart. You know, but you know why? It should for everybody. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that, in the middle of the verse, it says that God has basically put eternity into our hearts. That he's created all of us for a longing to live longer, a longing for heaven to be with God, a longing, yeah, for that, that new world, that, that future. But I think many have strayed from that purpose set inside us, and we try and fill it with, fill it with things in, in this world. Yeah. But God is reminding us and showing us with this passage to Hey, you guys, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on, on your future of what's coming. Let that help you. This ultimate goal of your future that you can be with me, let that go deeper into your soul so that that would affect how you live today. When you really have Jesus in your life, then you're going to desire this future with God. And it will be more than anything else in the whole, whole world that we have today. Let me close with this. I read about a woman who had lived an extremely poor life. Then one day she received this inheritance and was able to move into a very, very nice home. And for a while she enjoyed really a life of wealth and riches. But then it was found that she had contracted an incurable disease that would uh, take her life pretty soon. Well, her friends were, were, were saddened for her, but they were totally amazed that she was not worried. She was not stressed out about dying. And, and even she wasn't sad about leaving her beautiful surroundings and wonderful life that she had just received. They asked her, how can you be so happy with all that is going on and all that, that you're going to lose? Oh, that's easy, this woman replied. I just think about what I am leaving it for. Yeah, it Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's what God is giving us here. An amazing tour of eternity. An amazing look into to our future. And of course, the best part is God will be there himself. So receive everything God is saying here.
and let it change your life with this, a tour of our place in eternity. Let's pray. Jesus, as we close up here, God, we thank you for this little glimpse, Lord. God, this whole chapter cannot say how much more incredible, Lord, heaven is going to be, this final heaven, the new Jerusalem, the place we will spend the rest of eternity in. But God, if you made it, you prepared it, God, we know it's going to be good because you do good work, Lord. But what we have studied here today, may it inspire us, may it influence us, may it motivate us to, to live the life today and with what the same life we're going to live in the future, God. Lord, we want to have eternity set in our eyes. We want to live for you, Jesus. And I pray for each one of us that, God, if, if we've been toying with sin, playing games, if we've been uh, riding the fence or jumping the other side of the fence, going into the world more, if we've been compromising, Lord, may it stop today because that's not us. We are new creations in you. That's not our future. You died to free us from that life. Why go back to it? So, Lord, I pray for anyone who's been struggling in these areas that you would, you would help them today, that you would free them, that you would forgive them, and that you would bring us all over the fence, way past the fence, into the center of the field where you are. And may we just hold on to your side, God, and be right there. God, we love you, and we can't wait for that day to actually be with you in this heaven. And we know it will be soon. So continue to prepare us for that time by helping us in this moment we live in right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and grace. We need so much today even. In Jesus' name, amen.